Hi, how's it going? Welcome back to the Manufacturing Come Up. Today, we have a guest that's been in the industry for over 40 years now, Steve Lukaskic. How's it going, Steve? Uh, nice to have the opportunity to speak with you. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to have somebody on the show who's had such a long career, and uh, I'm sure you had a ton of, of valuable experiences that you can share with the community. Yes, that is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't even... As far as um, the longevity, yeah, where do you start? I mean, previous to this, we were talking a few minutes ago, I started right at the beginning and, you know, what got me interested. Um, it's overwhelming to even me to think about it. Yeah, because I started off in the CNC business, as I discussed. Mm -hmm. Like 17 um, years old, right? Yeah, when I was 17. <laughs> and that's what sparked my interest in um, the automation field and automated machinery in general. general. Um, most of my career I've spent in robotics, nice. um, but that beginning starting on the machine side or the machine tool side or on, uh, starting with, uh, FANUC controls and CNCs was invaluable and it helped me make a switch over to the robotic side and really just understand machinery in general, I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say, I guess where you where you start doesn't matter. Um, it's just have a good plan and and sound mm. goals in your head. And yeah, you can, achieve a, you can achieve a lot in automation and have a make good money and have a, a long career. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think another thing, like as far as like a skill level goes, one thing that has like been engraved in my mind. I think it's important for people to to learn more quickly if they're dealing with any motion side of things yeah like when it comes to like cnc controls and like doing pathing and and all that it, it's it, go, it takes you back to like the graph where you have quadrants and like you know you have x positive and y positive mm -hmm. and, and it, it really makes sense and if you think about the entire world and like this plane yeah. of, of xyz space you know cnc mm -hmm. moving a robot it's all kind of the same thing Yes, when the young robot programmers talk to me, I, I always tell them the Cartesian coordinate system, learn it, live it, love it, know it, because <laughs> it, it's your way to represent how things move around in space and, and kind of your guide between how humans think and how machines think. Yep. I mean, us as human beings, we don't really think um, in X, Y, and Z, but machines certainly do. And it's a definitely a mathematical language. If anything I just said makes sense at all. Um, but when I teach robotics, yeah, it's one of the first things I teach. Yeah. yeah. Everything, everything starts at zero. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also too, like what, once your mind starts wrapping around it, like you're, you, you start to think about the world in that way. Like normal humans don't, but once you become a controls engineer, that's like working with or or part right like i i noticed like i was doing like some measurements on something around the house yeah and i was just like thinking about it like a cartesian space like okay i need to pull my measurement off of here my measurement yeah. from down there like mm. you know and it all just comes from like the robotic side of thing like yeah. leaking over into my personal life yes no <laughs> i i think of the same way i i lay out rooms that way um i think about space that way i think of everything in three dimensions so yeah very important. And then I guess if you're allowing me to talk, the other yeah. thing I like to tell people that has helped me um, so much in my career is 
physics, my physics class. Because so much of robotics, whether you're going to be a robot programmer or a designer, or even down to the maintenance guy, that machine um, is subject to the laws of physics, everything it does, motion, Mm -hmm. how it lifts things, um, how it uses electricity. And a lot of them lessons learned in my physics class, I still apply all these years later in, in what I do for a living. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I opted, like I did the same thing. So whenever I was, uh, whenever I was going for my elective, right. The, Mm -hmm. the elective was like the choice between like psychology and physics or something like that. And, you know, I chose physics and they were like, I don't know if you want to do that. Like that's a much harder class than this other one. This other one's like a a pass by class. We'll give you a, we'll give you a, you know, a credit and you can move on. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but this won't apply to anything that I'm really going to do versus I don't think it was, I don't think it was psychology either or something like even like more mundane than that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was like, no, I want to do the physics. And, you know, it was, it was definitely a hard class. It was like one of my most, uh, uh, one, one of the classes with like the most amount of homework, but mm-hmm. definitely the most amount of learning too. Yeah. It's one of the textbooks I kept. I still have my original textbook and, out of all the books that I have, that one, the most of the laws are still the same. That yeah, it's a thirty-year-old book, but it still applies to today. Yeah, it's hard to date that, right? Unless we just find some new phenomenon tomorrow. Yeah, so I guess if uh, if you would like, take us back to to whenever you kind of transitioned from like the CNC uh, machine shop world and started really getting into automation and 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 what made you make that shift. Oh, that's an excellent story because it it goes against what I just said about planning out your career. That, that part of my career was probably the least planned out part. I mean, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't, the path, the path I had in my head and the path that actually happened were two very different things. So I was in the CNC business and I really loved working with the CNC machines, but I wanted to move up the ladder. I wanted to do more. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to engineer things and design things. And I thought, okay, um, how do I do that? And I came to the conclusion, well, I'm going to have to get some type of education. Because even though I was uh, operating them very expensive machines and programming them, I really had no education, formal education or anything I could put on a resume. So I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I need to go do that next. and it's so funny. I am very pleased at the time with the education I got in the school that I chose. But I also do not like to talk about anymore the school that I chose because it has fell out of favor so much in the technical really? um, So I'll let that alone for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided I needed to go to get an education and get a degree. And I achieved that and I went to school Uh and I was nearing the end of the school and like, okay, Steve, you have to decide what you're going to, what you're going to do now, where are you going to go get a job? Well, actually FANUC robotics themselves, unbeknownst to me, used to recruit exclusively from this school. So, I had no idea, but FANUC reached out to the school because they needed some people and um, 
once I heard the name and I had already been programming programming uh, Fanex CNCs, yeah. I'm like, oh, I can go work for the OEM. So right out of school, they drafted me and I went to work for Fanex Robotics in their CRC department. Wow. I wanted to be an engineer, um, but and I, I, Fanuc was probably smart in doing this. Even even their young engineering staff, they put you some through some sort of initiation. You yeah. didn't just get handed the keys to the kingdom, even no matter what education you had, unless you had a heck of a lot of job experience. But what the schooling did was open the door for me. And once that door got open, at least I recognized it and I took it. Yeah. And that's how my career in robotics started. Wow. That's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, I went and it was a very uh, intimidating and exciting place. Really? My, my first day there on the job at Fanning, because I came out of small job shops. I came out of a very different um, mentality mm -hmm. in the workforce. So when I got into into Fanning and had to present myself a little differently, it was overwhelming and intimidating. But the first three years at Fanning, I learned so much. Yeah. Um, and yes, I did eventually make it to the engineering department. It took me about a year and a half to to wait for uh, the opening I wanted in engineering. But uh, yep. Mm -hmm. and so whenever, whenever they sent you through the CRC portion of that, did you get to like what type of like entry level things did you get to learn to kind of introduce you to the, to the world of Fanuc a little bit more? Electronic repair because one of my majors was uh, electronics. Gotcha. So was this so, like the servo boards and stuff like that? Um, yeah, what they did was, and it was, the, um, again, it, it was so amazing because it wasn't planned, but I was in the CRC and they had a rebuild group at the time oh. um, and they were just starting it and they, they were having some engineer, uh, engineering issues um, on some of the things that they were doing. And the part part of the issues they were have, having was with some of the teach pendants, the, um, the things you use to control robots that, mm -hmm. that you hold in your hand. So I figured, what the heck, let's put some of my education to use. And it was a great learning experience about what I actually learned in the school, in school and how the real world worked. Um, <laughs> And I was able to solve some of the problems. So one of the guys in the CRC, one of the higher ups decided, well, why don't we do this all the time? Instead of Steve did it once, let's make this as a department and do it all the time. So we started retrofitting these teach pendants, which okay. turned into a year and a half later, a full blown electronics repair lab at FAMIC. Oh, nice. Because they didn't have that at the time. Nice. And believe me, it wasn't, because I was all that that smart, it was because um, it was just because the te the willingness number one, and probably um, a little bit of not knowing any better, not being afraid to take on anything, right? Um, and then just a heck of a lot of motivation, just the willingness to boy, this yeah. is what I really want to do. This is an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like especially during that time period like electronic repair was like a really huge part of, of like industry yeah. and uh, 
it, like today, like today's age is a little bit more of like just replace the new, replace it with a new board type of situation. Yeah. You know? um, then it was like repair everything, anything and everything you can. Yeah. Well, the, nowadays I call the elect, a lot of the electronics I see, I just call them black boxes because you can't fix them. Yeah. Like you said, you just replace them. But yeah, when back, this was, would have been right around 96, 97. Gotcha. So there was still a lot of discrete components on the board you could replace. Yeah. And bring things back alive. Mm -hmm. So we did a lot of that back there. And that was my ticket into engineering because that's okay. what got me noticed. And um, I got to work on a, when I was in the component repair department after it was going for a little while, I got to work with a couple of the, on a couple projects, uh, project builds with the engineers upstairs um, and working on those projects, they had a little experience with me. So that way, when I started suggesting that I wanted to come up to engineering, it was easy to make that transforma transformation. Um, and yeah, that's how I ended. That's well, yeah. That's the short version of that whole situation, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, so whenever they put you into engineering, what type of engineering did you go into? Were you doing programming? Uh, Still electronics. Electronics, okay. Yeah, my first job up in the electronics are uh, on the controller side in engineering was troubleshooting. Gotcha. Okay. So at that time, the uh, uh, RJ3, um, RJ3 robot controller was just coming out. Gotcha. And someone had to write the trouble electronics troubleshooting portion of the manual that was going to be sold with the controller. That was my first task in engineering. I got to write. Oh, wow. So you got to write some of the RJ3 troubleshooting manual? Some of that. Yeah. You look in that manual, that's some of my creation. Yeah. Gotcha. I've definitely read some of it then because like my first year or two, like I cut my teeth on doing robot refurbs. And I dealt with a lot of like RJ2s, RJ3s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just missed R8. Oh. Okay. <laughs> That's what I cut my teeth on was the RH robot control. Right. I, I know a lot about that one. That what it was a great controller. Um, but yeah, on the memory side, it had some inherent shortcomings. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Carol programming was awesome. I got to learn it because I had to use it. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I would say very fascinating now, but it's easy to say looking back, very cumbersome and hard to learn compared to the new programming uh, yeah. languages that are out there. Yeah. I feel like the, there was a little bit more flexibility back then with, yeah. with like the programming because being able to program a structured text, yeah. there was just a little bit more capability there. Yeah. Now, yeah, concerned, you know, yeah. and just to, to add on the trouble, the, the troubleshooting manual, the first time I had to do any technical writing, um, that was an interesting time in my life for the fact that I spent much, so much time doing the troubleshooting procedures, uh, for that. And I put all this time and effort and I thought, you know, I'm really going to show what I can do, what I know. And, one of the senior engineers, some of the first work I presented to be redlined or edited, um, I had to really learn how to take criticism because he 
he read what I wrote and he said, Steve, that's too much. You can't put that much content in. And I go, well, I'm trying to help people. And he goes, Steve, you're, you're up here writing from an engineering level. You got to remember you have to write towards a maintenance guy. He's not going to want to read all, all of this engineering speak. And it took me a while to gather what he was saying because that was coming from a senior engineer who I would have thought he would want to convey all that knowledge. Yeah. What I learned out of that, and I've used that throughout my career, my takeaway from that finally when I when I calmed down a little bit and learned how to take some criticism was simplicity is key. Uh, simplicity equals success. Just keep things simple and you will be successful. Yeah. That was the lesson <laughs> from that. It yeah, just right. took me a few to get there. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like with the, with the documentation side of things, it's like we just need a few bulletins. Like don't give me yeah. a paragraphs. Yeah. Oh, I was so proud because I wrote a couple procedures for that manual where, you know, I had people grabbing their meter and doing test points and all this. And yeah, I realized now it probably was a little bit much, but but I kept <laughs> that on that unedited version version. I still have it. I kept it for myself. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I feel like that's something like uh, pretty big in your career to put down in, in history, you know, back to the RJ three controller, you wrote part of the part of the manual for that. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it got me my first trip to Japan too. Nice. Yeah. Nice. How'd that come about? Because when I, part of that uh, manual was the mechanical side. Um, and I got included in that um, too. But at that time, for some reason, Fanuc didn't want to send any RJ3430i robots over to Auburn Hills in Michigan. So they decided, well, okay, if um, the Japanese management doesn't want to send that robot, we'll just go to the robot and document it that way. Um, awesome as a young man yes yeah, sign me up for that so i got yeah. to go see i got to go see the main manufacturing facility um many times but that the first time was the best after a while it got kind of redundant but what an amazing place yeah absolutely i'm sure back then it was like very technologically advanced like oh yeah yeah they that well they um they truly had robots building robots even back then I know the lights out factory still exists, but I got to see it back then. And it was quite amazing to see. I don't know what they do in there now, but when the first iteration that I saw, they built all the motors. Gotcha. The lights out factory. They basically put the raw materials in one end. There were no human beings in the uh, building. They had autonomous little robots driving around on the floor, delivering the stuff to the different machines. And then out the other end, a motor would spit out. It's pretty impressive. It, it was, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure now it's it's probably doing that in ten times faster. Yeah, now you. Yeah, I've seen it in a few of the larger uh, Honda plants. Some of that now you'll see it over here in the states. But really, I haven't seen it to the extent still that Fanuc is doing it over yeah. at their headquarters. Yeah. The biggest thing I I being an old school guy is the safety on that because you'll go into some of these automated areas where the human beings aren't doing anything yep. and there's no safety fences. Everything's light scanners now and everything. Mm. So you'll be around these machines and, and 
yeah, I struggle with that because I want to stay out of there. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't realize now that it's okay to walk next to the robot. And if it stops for a second, that's okay. Cause it's designed to stop, wait for you yeah. as the human being and then continue on. I spent a lot of my career where if you stepped inside the safety gate or the safety fence, right. you were shutting down the whole yeah. line and you were going to get in trouble and booted yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of facilities it's like you're out of there. Don't yeah. leave and don't come back type situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Also too, like I, even, you know, I, I definitely feel comfortable with laser, laser scanners and stuff, but it's like, if I programmed the laser scanner, you know, yeah. we programmed it and validated it. Then I'm like, okay. But like, it's just like one that's out in operations, like this guy, yeah. didn't, you know, just bypass that one today, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, or the new DC Fanex DCS systems or some of the, what the robot manufacturers have now where the robot can, you can actually work next to the robot and, and uh, load a machine and the robot can be working over here and that's okay. Yeah. I'm still not used to that. You know, back in the day that would all, that was a big no, no, no. The robot yep. had to be parked way over here yep. before you could load it. And yeah, we've, uh, we've done a couple projects where like, you have like an access panel where you, or you open basically like a little small gate. Yeah. Go in there, do something inside the robot cell to tend to something. And basically just activates a DCS zone to keep the robot out of the area. Mm. Close the gate, re, re you know, re-engages that, that DCS zone or disengages it. And, you know, now the robot can actively go over there again. That technology amazes me. It, that is so amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, you learned a lot from Fanic. What, what was the next journey in your life? After Fanic, that's, that's, let me think this through the short version again. Fanic um, treated me very well. And I, I mean, they pretty much gave me my career in robotics. I don't know. How long were you there? Differently. Six years. Six years. Nice. Yeah. And I had two young children at the time and I was still after three years in engineering, almost four. I was still low man on the totem pole. So that travel that I was doing to Japan and all that as a young man was exciting at first, but having two kids at home, that was hard on my wife when I would travel. Yes. So Fanic, before I left, wanted to station me in Brazil for a considerable amount of time. That's when I had to make a decision. What do I do next? Well, I don't want to leave Fanic. But I knew if I didn't go to Brazil, I didn't know what thing. Being a young man, I didn't know how that would have played out or what the company would have thought if I said no. So I kind of made the decision for everybody and decided to leave the company. And I took another job at a company called ICR, a third-party repair company, to help them start a robot department. That sounded fascinating to me. So I decided to do that, help them do that. But in the meantime of running the robot department, I somehow ended up being the operations manager. Talk about a left turn. <laughs> so very interesting to go from the robot department to the operations manager. And I spent about three years there and decided, well, if I was going to be the operations manager, this is really hard and stressful. Why don't I just do it for myself? And I spent three years at ICR and then I decided to start my own robotics company. Nice. Yeah. 
Congratulations. Yeah, that that was uh, probably the big, I learned more. I had my own company for nine years and I learned more doing that than anything else I've done in my life. In that period, I had to learn things very quickly and very fast to survive. Yep. Uh, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, re- I, I, I encourage anybody to be entrepreneurial. Yep. It's difficult, Absolutely. very rewarding. Yep. Um, and I was able to take the company and me and my partner got it to a point, and I won't get into all the scary details, got it to a point um, where it was worth something. And I decided to cash out on my value, which I do not regret till this day. And he kept the company going. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So he just wanted to continue on and you kind of was ready to just get out and do on, go to a new new venture? Yeah, the, the downside of having your own company, um, I learned a lot about myself. It The one, um, and gosh, I don't want to sound negative because again, I encourage young people to be entrepreneurial. Um, for me, that was a lot of stress, the money mm-hmm. side, not the robot side. And I just got to the point, I wanted to go back to just focus in on robots. Well, I couldn't do that. Um, in your I own company. do that in a position where I own the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the stressful part, yeah, to me was the money side. Um, yeah. Being a business owner, you have to carry a line of credit. Um, you're responsible to a lot of people. Yeah, um, It's fun being the boss to realize you start questioning, well, am I really the boss? Because I have to take everybody in account. So I uh, decided to cash out on that. Um, great nine years. And what I decided to do next um, was contract for a while because they was still growing up. And I decided, well, I have this opportunity. What can I do next in my career? And what do I do? I do the same thing. I just left something and then I start a new thing that was just going to be repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. Pretty close to the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I started contracting. And I thought, I'll just make a small little gig and I'll work for myself. And there's a big outfit that I've um, called R&E Automation in Michigan. Um, Through my travels by this time in robotics, I had met a lot of people and had a lot of friends. So I talked to one of my friends and he said, into me giving some space in his building. Not thinking, never considering what would happen. So he gives me the space and I go, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning and I'm just going to do electronic repair in robotics because I really enjoy that. It's easy to do. Um, The uh, low investment, it was something I could spin up real quick, contract myself and have a low investment and keep a lot of money out of it because that's what was stressing me out. So I, I set up this. R&E, Dan over at R&E, my friend, is looking at what I'm doing and going, oh, well, there's money in that. Steve, you can borrow some of my sales staff. Okay. So he starts doing this. Meanwhile, from my old company, two of the salesmen had went off and did their thing and and saw that I was doing this again and started sending me components also. 
So again, exactly what I was running away from just followed me again. <laughs> and a new company started emerging. So I did this for about two years till I decided, no, I'm not, I can't, the, I don't want the money side of it again because yeah. that didn't make me happy. I just want to be a robot guy. Yeah. Um, so what I did was went and reached out to the two salesmen that had started their own, com own company that used to work for me and said, hey, I'll come work for you and I'll bring all this ready-made business to your business and this, this is all I want for it and I'll work for you guys and I'll be happy. And that's what I did. So that's how I ended up at Master Robotics. Dang it, I didn't learn my lesson because yeah. I went ahead and got entrepreneurial a third time. <laughs> I worked at Master Robotics doing a lot of electronic repair because that's what I, one of the things I enjoyed. And we even even got into, there's another side that I was very involved in through this whole, that I haven't even talked about, automation. By this time, I had also had quite a few big automation projects under my belt because I used to enjoy that too. Mm -hmm. um, so I set up shop, was working at Master Robotics, and there was another salesman who used to come in, and he kept talking to me about coming to work for him. And I go, no, I'm happy. No, I don't want to do that. So after about two years of him bugging me, I just decided one day, I'm going to put this to bed. I go, I'm tired of him bothering me. I'm going to give, I want to give this a rest. And I just happened to shout out, we used to go to lunch and I shouted out lunch. I said, you know, Chuck was his name, first name. I, I won't say his last name for privacy reasons. I said, Chuck, the day you buy me a building is the day I will come help you start a robot department. And lo and behold, he said, yes, well, that flipped Steve's entrepreneurial switch back on and said, sure. Um, so I helped them guys with that, helped them build a successful endeavor, did it for six years, got them to a point to where they could take on almost close to $2 million quote $2 million automation project, large project. Nice. Yeah. It's a decent size and project. That's again, that trip, that trip, my trigger of, okay, that's more money than I want to be involved with. Again, stress level. Yep. So I politely bowed out at that point, um, which was wonderful and came back to master robotics. And that leads me to where I'm sitting right now. I am now the operations manager at master robotics. Gotcha. Is it, did you take on stress with this one or you, now you're just keeping it relaxed? No, this one, we're, we're not doing any major automation. So till we hit that point, if we, if we <laughs> stay in this arena, I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, one, of, one of the key points that you put pointed out, and I think it's important for like those who are looking to, to get into business is, you know, the amount of stress levels that are associated with it and also to like what you allow yourself to be like involved in yeah uh will also like add a lot of stress like there's like quite a few things in the company like i don't have a, I, I really don't have much clue of what's going on i let mm -hmm. it i let it just work its way out it has its own managers and like yeah. i check in occasionally hey where are we at with this what's going on with that and uh and also to like to add to that, one of the things that I also did is I somewhat recently started another company uh, on the on like real estate side of things because it's 
going into like the financial stress of things. Yeah. You know, I like to see, you know, I like to see, and this is something that people have to keep in mind, a nice linear progression of growth, right? Yeah. But when we're doing something like automation work, like the, there's not necessarily a nice linear progression of growth. You know, there, there may be, there'll be points of strides, right? Like you'll grow really successfully for a few years and then maybe something will happen with the market where people are not buying as much. And then yeah. you have all the staff and this big, this big, uh, you know, monster you need to feed. And, it, and a lot of times it doesn't take long for like capital to get eaten away. And, um, and so, you know, th there's ups and downs in this type of business and there's ups and downs in every type of business. But, you know, I took on like this, the, uh, elite properties to essentially be more of a linear growth. We can buy yeah. a property. We can invest X amount of dollars. We can, we can do, we, our numbers can be much more projected and accurate, right? Where, okay, well, we can invest in four properties this year. We'll take about three months to get each property up. You know, then next year we'll probably be able to do eight properties um, and kind of having just a more linear approach because that, that business is just much more predictable. Yeah. Right? You know what you're, you're going to get a monthly check to, there's going to be revenue uh, that, that's coming in monthly for that. Uh, this is like on like a rental type of basis, but um it's like important to know like your stress level and like kind of the psychological things that you'll have to deal with while while operating the company yeah in the robot business I, I like your point about linear because in my experience um the robot business is anything but linear <laughs> it's an excellent place to be but yes you have to accept the fact that you're going to have ups and downs the robot market is ever evolving mm -hmm. i don't think and i don't think it'll ever stop evolving i think i still think after 40 years in the automation business we're still in the beginning yeah oh absolutely. i mean we're, we're barely getting to the point where automated robots can see right just think when vision systems truly catch up in real time where they're making decisions yeah. instantaneously which they almost are now right the things robots are going to be able to do yeah i i always look at this another thing i say to tell people about robotics even industrial robots it's as far you can go as far as your you let your imagination take you even in systems designs mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of a lot of guys younger guys will come and say well steve i got to design this robotic system this way and i always say to them no, you don't. And then they'll give me a funny look and then I got to tell them why, because there's, there's as many ways to create an automated cell and make it efficient uh, as you can dream up, especially with the tools nowadays. And right. an example, I'll give you an ex example of what I'm talking about. Hopefully anyone listening can okay. tie in what I'm saying to some real world experience. When I started in robots, safety design, because that's where I've seen a lot of change lately. The safety systems for a robot were basically a, a safety fence door and an e-stop push button. And that's all you had to do to yep. satisfy any safety requirements for your robot in a plant. Have yep. a safety fence, a safety switch on your door, and an e-stop button somewhere. Yep. Nowadays, safety systems if you use your imagination back to my areas comment about area scanners 
it's whatever you can dream up and you can have robots working side by side with people yeah. um, and you can dream up these elaborate designs where the yeah the robot um can work anywhere in the workspace your robot yeah. doesn't have to be uh, in the center of the cell or positioned right by the table. Mm -hmm. All these things that you can do nowadays. And yeah. I hope I'm beginning to make any sense to anybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there's like, they're, they're more collaborative. They're more intelligent. You can yeah. interface with them so much like easier and so much of more of a different way. Like you can, all, you can literally hand robots things at this particular yeah. point in time, which you could just never do in the past. Yeah, so what I, I guess what I'm saying, if you can dream it now in automation, there literally are the tools to make it happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's some things that I really want to get involved in. Like one reason why why I kind of chose automation as a as a uh, not necessarily a career path, but as a business is because one, I like that the team that I build over time will be skilled individuals that know like these technical things. Yeah, and then I really want to take that and pair that with like other technologies. Like I want to do really cool things where. Uh, uh, I want to do really cool things where, um, you know, I want to do stuff in health space. I really see like some futuristic things where like maybe we're wearing like suits so we can like, we're able to check our vitals in like real time, yeah. you know, like everything is going kind of like the same thing. It's like in like a Fitbit or something like that, but like just way higher level than what, what's already there. And like, um, oh, what's another big one? Oh, like if you look at things like, um, like, Google's image recognition, right? Yeah. It, it can recognize a dog. It can recognize my face. It can recognize, you know, your face. Uh, and it's already doing these things. And, and Google also gives you the the tools uh, very similar to like, so like I've worked with like Hexite and stuff like that in the past in my career. And so mm -hmm. those are basically like vision tools where you can use like the back end uh, engines of, of the tool of, uh, you know, vision tools. Yeah. And, and, and Google's basically kind of given that same thing to, with their software, which mm -hmm. means like some of these things that we're, we're doing with like, you know, a, a Cognex camera, Keyence or whatever, right. We could really start pairing, uh, stuff that like Google's doing with the consumer space and, and compare and, and pairing that with, you know, what we're doing in like the manufacturing space and be able to, to recognize objects, to be able to recognize people and, yeah. and uh, make even more intelligent decisions. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, now we're having more consumer things with like your smart homes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're, this is one of the uh, little project that we're probably going to do like somewhat soon. Uh, but it basically a project where we're able to like control an automated system with like Google and stuff. Yeah. And, and so I'm like really excited to, to work on some things like that where we're, you know, using some of the higher level like consumer technology and mixing that with, with automation. I'm nearing the end of my career, but I, one of the things that kind of makes me sad is in the next 50 years, I'd love to, I'm not going to get to, but I would love to see um, industrial automation and, and what it will look like in the next 50 years. Yeah. And I really believe it will look nothing like what we have right now. Yep. For a, for a lot of, because a lot of what you're saying, yeah, just robots being able to see. And I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the industrial robot that doesn't even get bolted to the floor. It can move itself around the cell. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Kind of be like something like a backhoe where it like has legs or something that can just like plant yeah. itself out or something. 
Yeah. yeah. It, not only can it move itself, but it can pick up an engine block and move it. Move yeah. It and do do all these things and just the things that I, you know, the things that other people that will imagine that I can't even think of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, definitely one, one huge one will be like what we can do with like the hand, the handling of objects, like with what, what people do with like tooling because manipulation is still one of the most complex parts of automation. Mm -hmm. There's going to be like some super, super cool things. I think we see in the next, even like five, five, 10 years that are going to be yeah. like pretty breathtaking. Yeah, I totally believe that um, they'll definitely figure out the, the whole hand thing and they'll be, it kind of might even appear to be creepy, but a fully functional hand on a robot that operates like a human hand. Yeah. Because isn't yeah, that, that really is the general idea of the robotic arm in itself, just to imitate a human arm yeah. to, to move things around in that Cartesian coordinate system that we talked about. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. What are what are some of the things that you feel like have uh, really helped progress you throughout your career? Probably the first thing that comes to my mind, hopefully, in this answer is the people that I've met, mm. the people that I've worked with, the actual people in the relationships, developing good relationships with other technical people mm. and sharing information. Yep. Opening up those relationships with other technical guys and being able to sit down and have them have conversations or work alongside of them probably have helped me more than anything in my career. Mm. Yep. More than reading books or watching videos, just seeing how things are done in the real world. But I don't know if I answered your question correctly. Yeah. No, I mean, I think so. Like it's really, like you said, it's like the relationship that, that kind of brought the opportunities to you and, and, yeah. And, you know, it's like, it's a big thing that like, I'm, I'm really trying to focus on and work on because like pretty much my entirety of my career, I mean, I've built, I've built a few relationships, but, uh, and don't get me wrong. I mean, like there's a ton of people that I know and have relationships with, but I feel like for, for the amount of time I've been in the industry, it's definitely not a lot. And, and really probably over 50% of the people that I have relationships with now have been since I started a company. And, and just, you know, but because I was much more internal back then, right? I was, I was the, the programmer. I was the uh, project manager of, you know, yeah. of the, uh, of systems, right? And mm -hmm. so there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, customer facing. There wasn't a lot of like outside communication with, with individuals outside the building, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> there's definitely an aspect of that that like, I was lacking throughout my career that would have been like very tremendously helpful for uh, me and, and becoming a business owner. What do you, what do you think is something that has helped you uh, maintain and, and uh, curate more of these relationships? Just me feeling the need to um, have to, these connections to, again, I'm, I'm an educate. I, I call myself a realist and, an education guy. I'm all about learning things. So I, I consciously reach out to these people and try and develop these relationships so I can learn things. And then back to my comment, because I, I asked you about tools. Mm. To me, knowledge is a tool that I keep in my head. Mm. That, and that's where everything starts. Once I have the knowledge and the know-how then and the willpower and the willingness, 
the rest of it for me has always fell into place. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm answering your question accurately. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, yeah, I think you're definitely touching on it. You're at least, I mean, like, regardless, like, your, whatever your version of the answer is, is the right yeah. answer, right? <laughs> because it, it's, it's also that version that'll, that'll help, help somebody, you know? Um, yeah. If I, I, if I, I, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. You, you, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you caught my attention with the statement, help somebody. If I'm answering from the state, uh, your question from the side of helping somebody, I'm going to go back to the same answer. The, the best advice I could give to somebody uh, I feel that would help them is just go up. If you're truly interested in automation, it is a large field. There's a lot of disciplines and a lot of things you can do. Yeah. Decide what you like doing and then just go gather all the knowledge you can. Learn all that you can. And I know it's such a simple answer, but it's what has worked for me. Yep. Going like example, I want to I want to learn how to program a PLC. Mm-hmm. No one really taught me that. We touched upon it in school, but I wanted to learn how. So I just decided, number one, I took the first step. I want to learn PLCs. Okay. Who do I need to go to or where do I go to get that information? I found that out, went and gathered the information. Okay. I read, gathered the information, listened to other people. I don't know if I understand it. And at the time, certain time, at that time when I decide I didn't understand it, I either made the decision to go back to them people and ask questions or actually just go sit on a PLC and start playing with it, dissecting it, figuring out what it does, yeah, breaking it, doing all these things till I was satisfied that I knew something about it. Mm-hmm. So that's a process I follow when I want to learn new things or be yeah. successful. Yeah. yeah, that's an extremely important pro- process. And I think that that's going to be a key thing for people to to really think about because like now, now especially now, gen- the generation – expects like the answer just to kind of be there in front of them, I think. And, and mm-hmm. they want to go to Google and punch, you know, Oh, it's not there on Google. Now what do I do? Yeah. You know what I mean, like they're, they're lost at that point. And, uh, so oh, yeah. my team gets frustrated with me. I'll throw that out there. They do because I'm kind of old school in that. I believe I'll let them try first. And then they get mad because I'm just not out there. Um, doing it for them but i believe i should challenge them a little bit mm-hmm. but then i love that um, i love the look on their face when i challenge them a little bit and they figure it out themselves also it builds like just much better skill set like i notice like especially like how deeply involved like i'm doing or i am with like uh like programming and stuff like that yeah like, if i take any like period of time off for programming i notice mm-hmm. i almost always struggle like getting back into a manual again like having yeah. to open up a manual and just read through and find what I'm looking for. And like, um, but after I break that and I just start reading through the manuals, I'm like, gosh, yeah, I'll just read through the manuals more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I encourage my team to do that's another rule that I give. I make them follow. I always they'll come to me and I go, well, did you read the book? Cause that follows my steps. Yeah. And again, I know I, I am, I am uh, self-aware enough to realize not everybody has to do it my way, but you have to start somewhere. Yeah. I always feel that the book is a safe place to start. 
Yeah. So guys, please read the book and then come ask me questions. Yep. Um, you'll probably get better responses from me than just cornering me and asking me random questions about something you haven't done any research on. Right. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're like, these are the steps I'm going to take. Have you done any of these steps? No. Yeah. So go back to those steps first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, <clears throat> before we get out of here today, do you have any last uh, valuable points you'd like to add to the community? The point I would like to add is the, is the, is the reason why I decided that it would be fun to sit and talk with you. And I encourage is just to encourage people to choose automation, robotics, or computer-aided machinery in general as a career path. It is, um, if you love that kind of stuff um, yeah. and you love engineering, it's a great path to take. Yep. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I can I couldn't see myself doing anything different. You know, I I could I could one hundred percent like with as much as I've educated myself on business. Mm -hmm. I could much more easily and make much more money operating a different type of company yeah. than automation. But I just do automation because I, I like it. There's some future goals associated with it too, but it's all revolved around loving the technology and wanting to do stuff with the technology throughout my, my life and my career. Well, here in, in my career, that's, I'll say this for what it's worth. Um, me personally, I've, I've made every bit of as much money being an engineer as I had a business owner. And I can tell you what I got more enjoyment out of the engineering <laughs> that helps anybody. I hope, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I've been, I've been rewarded. I've been, I've been greatly rewarded by the automation that I've helped build. That is probably, and we didn't even touch on any of that. Um, some of the automation projects that I had the pleasure of building have been my most rewarding things that I've done in my career. Yep. Um, yep. Just to step back to have been involved in something from uh, concept to execution yep. um, and to see it actually work. Yep. And like to your point, assembling a team to put it all together, build it. Um, yeah. It's a wonderful feeling to just yeah. sit there. Yep. I, I helped build that. And I try to say that all the time. I helped build it instead of saying I did it all. Like that. <laughs> that, yeah. That's not automation. Automation is definitely a team effort. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, say for instance, even still till now, like, I can, I can think of some good mechanical things in my head. Yeah. But as far as like doing it on the computer, I can't, you know, I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Steve, if, uh, if, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, where could they find you at? Um, if they wanted to reach out to me, it's S-L-U-K-A-S-I-K -S at TIEindustrial.com. Awesome. That's my email address, and I would uh, I'd love to answer questions and talk to people. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, for, thanks for being uh, with us today, Steve. Yeah, you're welcome. You, you've dropped... A ton of valuable bombs and i think we could we could probably go for another hour or two yeah like i said i i would actually if you ever wanted to schedule another hour and we just talk about automation and not my career path okay <laughs> i would love to do that yeah let's, let's do it well uh let's map something out and we'll get something we'll do like a do a session of of some automation talk yeah mm-hmm
Awesome. Good deal. Okay. Okay. Take care, Malachi.